Hi, this is David from Wedding Business Growth. Wedding Business Growth is committed to helping you succeed in the wedding and events industry and grow your business in a sustainable way. Thank you for tuning into Wedding Business Growth Podcast. And now stay tuned for part one of this episode. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, everyone? Hey, hey, hey. Franklin, what's up, my dude? Nothing much. What are you guys up to? We're here. We're living ready. large, man. Ready for the are next we doing uh, installation. It's kind of it's kind of cool that like, you know, all three of us are back again. Yep. Oh man, it's really is it? Yeah, it's is this the first show back. It's been a hot minute, you know? Has it been? Hasn't it? Oh wait, yeah, you're right. You're right, you're right. Um, because I did the show due to some unfortunate things that were going on. Yeah. Um, with the car, so yeah, still haven't you figured that look, out, but that's fine. <laughs> you two look so much more comfortable next to each other, too. We are. We sure are. We're we're in our <laughs> element for sure. So, Frank, what you been up to, man? What's been going on? Uh, it's good. Work. So DJing, day jobbing, podcasting, all the above, right? And then in the meantime, parenting or pretending like I know what I'm doing parenting so that's that's it for me that is awesome 
Love Look at Chris here. Disc showing up on multiple platforms. I know, right? Oh, yeah, he's locked into uh to Twitch and YouTube. He's that multi-platform type of dude. Appreciate I'm down. it for sure. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. And I saw Hector pop up too. Hector's awesome. I actually got to work with Hector on uh on Friday. Hector is a DJ for for Y Entertainment and yeah. he's a he's an awesome dude. He he got the party rocking and it was uh it was a good time for sure. Good stuff. So we're uh we're working on a putting out a little uh request now love yeah in the meantime and now stuff out here. that's it any more into social media need to there you go yeah man it's good it's good to hear yeah good to see it frank anything else do you, you said you were djing too uh <clears throat> yeah so i had a wedding last weekend got a wedding this weekend got two weddings like it's finally i think the two wedding weekend kind of officially means that it's like all back in business you're back so, you're ready to go yeah <clears throat> yeah that one what comes the, up in a. Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, what does the wedding schedule look like for you? Is it because I know in Florida here, like June, Ju like more like July, August is pretty sparse because it's so hot. What's the schedule like for you up in in Virginia? Is it more like summertime weddings up there? No. So normally July and August is uh is for, like not. I, I wouldn't call it dead, right? But like the yeah. outdoor venues don't book quite like the indoor venues do. Right. Right. You know what's up, Earn? Hey. Yes. Thanks for being on, this. It's right? like all all of our good friends are are here tonight. What's going on? Um, but uh, it makes me feel good too that they are for sure. Yeah, but but this year, like other than having the first weekend of July off, I don't really have any other weekends off at all. That's and July is more booked than normal. August is more booked than normal. And then September, October, November is. I mean, those are always October is like the busiest month for us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. here. So, and of course that just means it's like double busy this year. So yeah, I mean, yeah. but I'm excited because, you know, I just, I've been antsy. It's like the first time you do a wedding when you haven't done a wedding in a very long time, yeah. you just realize not only how much fun it is, but like what you really brought to the table and cause sure. you're like kind of doing it again now. But I had a really troubling, not troubling, but I had a tough experience this weekend where, where there was a guest at the wedding that we DJed that had a very serious health emergency during the event that literally kind of had to shut the whole event down for that 30 to 45 minutes. So it was definitely challenging um, to, you know, cause you're, you're navigating like what, are, what do the couple want? Right. What, what's mm. the right thing to do? All of the above, like all of those things became, you know, more difficult right like and this wasn't just like a fell and broke their leg or twisted their ankle kind of thing this was a real like health emergency when it was happening so that was kind of challenging to kind of navigate that but um they they moved the the guests up to a separate location the, the best man started doing magic tricks just to try to like lighten the mood for everybody yeah, um, nice. we threw it through a through a, uh, a speaker up there, put a little background music on just something to kind of like help draw the attention away. Um, and then once that person got the attention that they needed um, from from some medical professionals, then the couple said, look, we want to make the best of it. So eased everybody back on the dance floor and then, you know, finished it out as hard as we could within reason, right for the last 30, 45 minutes. And Right. It's one of those things that <clears throat> is just uh, challenging to deal with. But when you're talking about a lot of people in one space, you never know what could happen and things happen. But I think I think the whole team of vendors 
handled it really, really well. So that was that was nice. Other than it was just a difficult situation. So that was my weekend. Nice. Yeah. What about wow. you all? Uh, it was a great weekend. Um, my events were were they went off smoothly. It was really nice and good weather and good things all around. And yeah, it was really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good weekend, man. I think good weekend for everybody. Yeah. Is it, went Finally. By, it was like a blur though for me. It was a blur. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly have a hard time remembering. Things. I know. I was sitting here <laughs> thinking like, I, I, hope, I hope Frank doesn't ask me because I'm going to pull my calendar out and look at what I yeah, did. Honestly, I, I know it was a lot of fun, but it was just a blur, a blur. of like craziness. Crazy. Dude, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> bigger yeah, and man. bigger and back to his old tricks. Dude. Yeah, it was tough. It's back to the old. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, what else we got? You guys got anything else? Jazzy time. No, I'm I'm good. We're uh, I think we're ready to kick the show off. Though. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah so real quick, just wanna just wanna always, uh, of course, thank you. Look at Hector bragging. Dude, Hector did kill it. Yeah, yeah. Hector's bragging with the three event weekend. But sure that's good, did. man. Yeah, he that's it. good, man. He, he must work for a good company. <laughs> um, I heard I heard wanna, the owner was questionable. He's he's a piece of work, man. Um, just want to thank everybody for watching as always. Uh, we're happy to have you guys on. Feel free to drop some comments as our, our buddies, Chris disc, big urn and, and Hector are doing so. Uh, yes, Hector, we are not Hector. See, now I'm confusing them. They look so much alike that I'm confusing them now. Just, big urn, you have to come through, man. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I hope to see you. By the way, Hector and big urn do not look alike at all. But, um, anyways, uh, feel free to drop your comments, questions, uh, insults, anything that you'd like to uh, drop in there. We'll take them all. We're happy to, 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 to read them and share them and, and, and work through them. If they're a negative thing, we'll work through them. Let's work through it. You know, I noticed something before we get started, Nick. The last couple shows that we've done together, mm. we haven't done our Dr. Pepper toast. No. Are you not drinking Dr. Pepper Dude, anymore? I'm kind of coming off the, the syrup, man. Can you, um, do you, you mind one? grabbing me one though? Uh, Even if you're not going to partake, um, I feel like if I don't have a Dr. Pepper that I am not properly nourished. We can, we can cheers though. I gotta, so. I gotta come off the syrup, man. It was, uh, I think, I think the reason <laughs> maybe why you did this is because we weren't able to get Dr. Pepper to sponsor us. Right. And that's okay. Right. We're just holding out for the deal. We so. made, we made an effort. The effort was futile yeah. and, uh, here we are. So if you know anybody that works for Dr. Pepper, help us out. I'll be speaking to their marketing department. Very nice. Um, all right, let's get started, fellas. Let's do this because I know Frank, you got to go soon, right? Huh? Uh, Chris, this yeah, um, uh, yeah. My my uh, my calendar schedule software did not catch a conflict for the first time, but it's go. okay because I have an email in, so we're gonna figure all right. it all out. <laughs> I know a Dr Pepper truck driver. Tell him to drop some off with us then. All right, let's get rolling, fellas. Let's do it. All right, so Kara Hubbard is our is our guest tonight. I'm going to read a bio about Kara before we bring her on, and then we're going to start talking about some really fun and good stuff. Kara is a business coach for photographers who specializes in email templates, workflows, business systems, and management. She has been in the professional photography business for over 15 years. She doesn't even look like she's old enough to do that, but we'll take her word for it, and has been coaching for the last 10 she has a team of professionals that work with her and her clients on pain points such as blogging, social media management, SEO optimization, pricing, and collection audits, marketing and client acquisitions, to name a few. This is our favorite part of the bio coming up. She lives on a small farm at outside of Denver, Colorado with her husband, four kids, 
30 chickens. Yes, you heard it right, Frank. 30 chickens, a peacock, and a handful of barn cats. All right. So what we're trying to say is Kara has a lot of kids in a small zoo, and it's a good thing she has a lot of kids to help out with that small zoo. So please help us welcome Mrs. Kara Hubbard. Hey, Kara, how are you? Thanks hey, guys. How are you? Nice to Good see you well. tonight. A farmette. I've never heard of a farmette. It's yeah, like it's, a mini farm, right? Like I live farm. on two acres, not two hundred. Right. <laughs> so, like this is a this is a mini. This is like a farmette version of a so Dr. Pepper. A, a Dr. Pepperette, right? This is a Dr. Pepperette. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> a pepper petite. Mm. Yes, love it. This is why you're in the marketing, and I'm not. I love that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the pepper petite. I love it. Yeah, Dr. Pepper is my go-to. I got it, except not out of a can. It tastes weird out of a can. Yeah, it do, it does have a little bit of a tin taste to it, but we'll yeah. we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. <laughs> well, how uh, the weather is absolutely shit here. How is it where you're at? It is hot as hell here. Yeah. It is like a hundred degrees and it's warm. And I'm in a sweater, so that makes a lot of sense. There you go. Well, we all dress how we dress. Yeah, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. All right, so tonight we are talking about the client experience. Yes, How do you go about giving every single client the white glove experience. Let's just dive right into that because yeah. that's interesting to me. Yeah, so I, I mean, I guess first off, like I work a lot with photographers, so I know a lot of people in the wedding industry are kind of listening right now. But um, my my main clientele is photographers, so I work a lot with them actually one-on-one -on -one, kind of building out their client experience. Um, I would say that in general, it's very difficult for photographers to outsource things. They seem to have a trust issue um, when it comes to wanting to outsource and automate things, which obviously, and on the flip side, kind of negatively impacts the client experience. As a photographer, you generally get to a point in your business where you kind of get big enough that you can't do everything that you want to do for your clients all the time to continue to give them that hands-on white glove experience. And so you come up against a wall where what do you do if you're unwilling to automate and if you're unwilling to outsource because you simply can't manage everything? So I don't know. Do you guys kind of see that in your businesses at all? You know, I, I think I think it's a very serious issue with you know any, anybody in our industry. You know, yeah. it, it, we we talk about this a lot, and I know we talk about it on Clubhouse a lot too. You know, the fact that just um, so many people to get involved in our industry are so personally attached to whatever it is they do, whether it's whether it's video, whether it's yeah. photos, whether it's you know planning the event, DJing, baking a cake. Like it just doesn't matter. Like. Everybody yeah. is so personally attached to that deliverable that, like you said, it's it's a it's across the board. It's a challenge to let go of it. But Nick, you and I were having we a had conversation this conversation earlier today, today yeah, yeah, yeah. and 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 he was talking to me today about how you know um, busy B, what's up, man? Talking to me, you know, we were talking today about how yeah. you know he was able to to track down some people to help him with editing mm -hmm. video. Yeah. And he's like, I almost felt like I unlocked like a cheat code in a video game or something yeah. like that because it like opened up this whole new world. Right. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're, when you're out, when you're, I, I hate to say outsourcing, but when you have someone else doing the editing for you, 
Um, and that takes time away from that. That gives you more time to do whatever you need to do to run the business. Like you gain back that time. And on top of it, then you're getting five star reviews from the video that you never edited yourself. That feels like an absolute like. Listen, I love cheaper. a fired up Nick. I just yeah. got to be honest. This is a fired up Nick right now. And I like this. I like this fire, man. I like the fire, man. Yeah. Keep it up, bro. For sure. But no, it feels good. I mean, it's uh, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Totally. I I actually um I always use the example of Disney um to my clients because they are like the creme de la creme when it comes to client experience, right? Like they are the people that have it figured out. They have automated stuff, they have outsourced things, they people keep going back to them because of the magical feeling that they feel mm. when they are at a Disney park, right? Thousands mm. of theme parks exist all over the world, but yet somehow Disney always rises to the top. Why? Well, it's not because like their characters are necessarily any better. It's not because their mm. rides are necessarily any better. It's because of the entire experience that they make you feel while you, they are, while you are at that theme park. And as I am telling that to my clients, that is the type of feeling that you want your clients to feel when you are interacting with them and when they are interacting with your business. So how can you go about doing those things? Now, automation and workflows, they can be terrible for your business or they can be really positive for your business if you're doing them right and finding the right people to help support that growth and that development and that outsourcing and that people that you can trust that are invested in your product and your business and your client. That's a great point that you say that they're also invested in you. There's nothing worse than someone who kind of just, you know, half asses something and says like, oh, I don't really care. I just want to get paid versus someone who's like, man, I really want to put the effort into. Yeah. And I mean, to, to your point, I mean, early, early on when kind of outsourcing was a thing or something like that. Yeah. Um, I remember trying to I, I hired a couple people to try to help out with social media. And it was just one of those things where you start looking at it and you're like, well, honestly, what you're doing, I could just do myself. Yeah. And it, and it makes it like, it makes it like frustrating and challenging um, for somebody who like genuinely, like I genuinely would love to have somebody, or here's another example, not that I would do it right now because I, I really feel like Facebook marketing right now would probably be a big waste of money because of all the new things that are going on with security and all these other things. But when, when Facebook marketing was like really a thing, like I wanted to work with somebody who knew how to do Facebook marketing, but I kept coming across these people that knew all the right things to say, but had no real track record of success with it. Yeah. So it just becomes more of a challenge to really figure out like what is the right move to make in that. Yeah, no, for sure. And then I think kind of coupled with that, a lot of the issues that I face is um, photographers really struggle with then selling that experience to their clients. Um, because that all becomes a part of how you can raise your pricing, right? I mean, I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent here, but I mean that it's all coupled in in a nice little neat package, right? If your experience is premium, Disney can charge $500 for a ticket. If you're Knott's Berry Farm, you can't do that. Like, mm -hmm. so I, on what end of the spectrum are you kind of wanting to come out as a service professional in the wedding industry? And I, Something else, honestly, that I speak of quite frequently, like on my platform and everything is that 
at least with photographers, something that often gets um, very lost in the shuffle is that they very much forget that we are a part of the service industry, like that we are there to serve our clients. And, and I work a lot with wedding photographers. So, you know, weddings are a big deal, brides and grooms, all of that kind of thing. But because of that, you are, it, it's almost, let me say it this way, it, they have almost become so obsessed with the art mm -hmm. that the client has kind of lost focus. I would agree with that 100%. And I, I see it a lot, like even like during shoots, yeah. there are certain shots that photographers want that they we go like out of control to go try to grab them. I mean, videographers too. Like, oh, I want this shot for my portfolio and I'm willing to kind of sacrifice yeah. the the what the client wants because I, I want this specific shot and I'm taking away from what the, what the client actually needs. So it seems, seems a little narcissistic and, to me, but- Oh, 100%, it's scary how often it happens. Sorry, Frank. No, 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 you're fine. And it's funny too, because that happens in the DJ world as well, right? You've got you've got DJs who are willing to work with a client and and help them curate their music for the day. But then you also have DJs who are not really necessarily, I guess, in the wedding industry. But when when they get hired, it's I am an artist and this is what you get if you hire me. I am an EDM DJ. I am a hip hop DJ. You know, and, and of course, some of those couples hire those DJs with that in mind. But other people sometimes find a DJ that they like and they didn't realize that that DJ was this is how I deliver my product versus what what wedding industry professionals need to be, which is how do you want me to deliver my product? You know, and, it, and it's 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 a fine line that we have to walk as wedding professionals. And I couldn't imagine how challenging that is for photographers and cinematographers, because there is a true art behind what you all do. And you hope that you bring people in that are seeing that art, right? And want that yeah. that version of, you know, what you do. But then you also probably have to kind of adjust a little mm -hmm. bit to what the client wants. Well, there's also this tangible entity that exists, you know, long after the event is over. Like from our standpoint, like once they leave the event, you know, and I'm speaking, of course, it is you and me being a DJ, Frank. Like once they leave the event... There's either that memory of a fun time or not, yep. but there's not that tangible like a video or or a, or, a, or a group of photos that is a continual visual reminder yeah. of, of the experience. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to like piece that together. I think like there is an experience. I mean, I've definitely had a couple come back to me and say like, "Oh, you made definitely made me feel a certain way during my day. Like I felt like comfortable being around you." Like, I didn't feel like, you know, like awkward in front of the camera. Like, you kind of put me at ease. I don't know if that's kind of yeah, like the no, similar I mean, type yeah, of like, I think that, like I think that definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you see it all the time, unfortunately, with the uh, like, we're going to go spend 30 minutes to get this sun sunset shot that's like with the waters just right. And the couple wants to be like mingling with their friends and family at cocktail hour. Yeah. And like, but we got to get this shot. Well, they don't want to do that. And like, it's just crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's circle back around because we definitely went on a tangent, Tangents. which is good because no, I, I think, I think that what we're talking about is important and, and is, is something that people do need to hear and people need to think about kind of, you know, the old get in front of the mirror and say, Hey, is yeah. this something that I'm doing that maybe I should put myself in check or, or not? You know what I mean? Um, Big Earn says, I'd be worried for the day for the day a client ever told someone that Nick made them feel 
<laughs> Big Earn, man. You know he's going to clown all the time. I love, I love uh, that about Earn him. Dropping the one-liners. But, but Kira, let, let's let's kind of go back to the beginning. Of my 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 comment there. In your words, and and in the services that you provide, talk a little bit about what that white glove experience looks like, because it's easy to to hear it and mm -hmm. and have your own interpretation of it. But what does that look like from your standpoint? Yeah. So a way that I really, I would say a majority of the time support photographers in providing that for their client is actually through kind of workflows and automating those workflows. Mm. So meaning, and when I talk about a workflow, workflow means a whole lot of different things in cinematography as it does in, you know, photography. Um, so I don't mean an editing workflow or a shooting workflow or anything like that. I'm specifically talking about a client management workflow. So in that aspect, I'm talking about the series of steps or emails or whatever contacts that you have put together to kind of walk your client through the experience that you want them to have with you or your business you know, through the extent and the term of the business, right? The duration. Mm. Um, and so uh, going back, a lot of the ways that I support photographers is actually kind of customizing those workflows and implementing those workflows into photographers CRM. So the client relationship managers, so the, the honey books, the 17 hats, the Dubsados, the Taves, the whatever's right. Um, so a lot of the way that that works basically is I have a whole series of workflows that are sold in my shop and then we take those as templates and then modify them. So I, I, I'm in the process of kind of building out some skyscraper information on my website, but I use the example that, so photographers on average will shoot around 20 to 30 weddings a year. So let's just take the average of 25 weddings. And on average, say they're wanting to send out 35-ish points of contact throughout the duration of that one year or 18-month engagement, right? If you're having to spend even five minutes every th for 35 emails for 25 clients, that's like 75 hours of emails that you are literally writing every single year in just correspondence with your clients. That doesn't include the invoicing or the coffee dates or the phone calls or the responding to emails. And so all of that can be taken away and completely automated without the client ever knowing really. And it does two things. One, it gives the client the illusion of a white glove experience because they know no difference. But then two, it allows you to invest time and energy in other parts of your business that you enjoy more or that garner you more money than writing an email does. And then three, it actually allows you to invest more time and more energy into developing the relationship at a higher standard and a higher level than just writing an email would. So does that kind of all make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think we really like, you know, we, we had Henry on, um, on our last on, show. On one of our last, was it our last show? Yeah. Oh. Our, yeah. It was the yeah. last show. Yeah. We had Henry on with us and, and we were, you know, talking about chat automation. And, and I think that, I think that we're in a society now where that is, you know, that is not like weird or something that people are like, oh, you know, this, this is just a weird conversation. Like, I think people are used to that in a lot of different industries. And, and I almost think it's like, you don't, you don't even really have to hide from the fact that, you know, this is a virtual assistant or, you know, Hey, this is so-and-so like for me, like, you know, this is David's virtual assistant. 
stepping in to help out. And that process is something that can be automated. And there are, you know, safety nets and things like that in place. And I'm sure the same scenario with yours where, um, you know, where if a, if a live person really needs to step in and get involved, then it happens very quickly, very fluently. And, you know, the, the customer still continues along with that experience. But on the flip side of that, it helps you kind of navigate and weed out like tire kickers and price checkers and a lot of other situations where people are not really ready to buy. And, and you know, we could do a whole show on the different steps and processes of the buying process and where people are in the buying process and everything right. alone. No, and I, I want to just make a clarifying point there too, is that the the workflows and, and emails and systems that I kind of set up are are throughout the entire client experience. And so, um, for example, the wedding workflow in the shop is like 85 steps that a photographer is to walk their client through. So this is just kind of random touch points or, you know, just check-ins. Because think about this, like a client is investing thousands of dollars into a photographer to bring them into their wedding. And generally up front, this is what will happen. Someone will generally be like, after I give them the stats of how much time they're spending on emails every year, someone's like, well, I only send three to five emails anyways. That's not me. Then we have a much bigger problem on our plate. But <laughs> if you're only sending three to five emails to your client that's paying you $5,000 to come photograph your wedding, this is a problem that we need to discuss then. Because think of the client from their point of view, they've just put down three or $4,000 to have you show up in 12 months from now, there's a little bit of back and forth at the beginning. They get some emails three to five, maybe in the first month or two. And then all of a sudden it's radio silence. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have had clients, not photographers, but like clients of photographers that have come forward and been like, we didn't even know if the wedding photographer was going to show up on the wedding day. Like we had no communication whatsoever. We'd get the deposit and 10 months would go by and we just fingers crossed hope that they would show up. Yeah, and that's wow. not just weddings. I mean, that happens all the time with portraits. You'll put $500 down and you'll get no communication whatsoever with that photographer until like fingers crossed, hopefully they show up at that one little park that they said that they were going to on that Friday evening because I just got my four kids ready and that was hell. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. I am all about trying to educate photographers that it's really not fair to the client for them to be investing their hard earned money with you and then you to drop the ball on not communicating, on not even just offering touch points, on not even just you know, roll out the red carpet a little bit. It's really not that difficult, especially when the upfront and the upfront investment is really very minimal because it's just a little bit of money or a lot of time to implement it, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to part one of this episode. Be sure to tune in next time for part two on the Wedding Business Growth Podcast.